What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in president-select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. everyone welcome back to the ringer gambling show it's been a long time since we chatted it's been a long thanksgiving holiday weekend a lot of great football hopefully a lot of great food for you as well i am joined today by chris vernon to break everything down that we saw this weekend verno how was your thanksgiving buddy everything was great i was glad to be able to be around family um the raiders cowboys game was a moment of bonding and a moment of despair between my father, <laughs> my son, and I as we watch that. So that could have been better. Uh, but I watched a ton of football over the weekend, both NFL and the college football weekend was unbelievable. Um, so there's a bunch of great games. Is there anything better on. than watching a good like snow game as well? I mean, there uh, wasn't a lot that accumulated on the ground, but that Michigan Ohio State game, just the aesthetics of watching the snow fall and all the fans in the cold. I mean, there there's just nothing better than watching great outdoor snow football, in my opinion. Big Ten too, right? Like Big Ten and Michigan just like lining it up and mashing but it was exciting in. too right like it, was. it wasn't just like a six to three type yep. slobber knocker we had points and that's the best of both worlds you have exciting offensive plays and strategy and points being scored while you get to watch the snow as the stadium lights are shining down on the field i mean it's 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 the best well let me tell you after sunday got done i was thinking to myself why why am i not just betting all these underdogs and David Purdom from ESPN had a note this morning. Underdogs in November now covered nearly 60% of the games. We had the revenge of the bookie. You remember we did these shows earlier in the year, and we said none of these underdogs are winning outright. 
like even if they're covering, they're not winning outright. 23 underdogs have pulled outright upsets during the month. And now underdogs are on pace to go 99, 77, and 1 against the spread, which is on a pace to be the best mark since 1980. So I do wonder if now, because we know that that's probably not going to hold, is this the ebb and flow of the season where all these favorites and these underdogs weren't covering, weren't winning games outright, and then it flipped completely, and now... I mean, this is the gambler's mind, right? Is now the time where I have to go back to favorites? <laughs> or is this trend going to continue? Because it was kind of crazy. Throughout November, if you bet underdogs, you were extremely profitable, to say the least. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I've I've absolutely loved this uh, betting season. I mean, I, I will kid you not, it's the best betting season from my totals. We've been betting... A lot of unders, although we did add one over, but underdogs and unders have just been like you're printing. I mean, it's it's been incredible. But right now, I want to say my computer totals, we had a couple yesterday that both hit, I think it's like 18 and three, 18 and four, something like that. Like the 80, 80, over 80% on these things. What, what, what computer program is this? Can you, can you forward it to me? It's, it's, <laughs> it's something it? I've been working on for years. This is the best <laughs> season on record. Now, lifetime, it's, it's over 61%. It's like 61.7%, something like that. So it's absurd lifetime, but this is the single best season. And the crazy thing about it, Chris, is that, Last year, it was tackling almost nothing but overs. And this year, it's tackling almost nothing but unders. And we already jumped on one for this week, which, by the way, use code CYBER60 at Sharp Football Analysis, and you can get 60% off today, only Monday, CYBER60 sale. But um, yeah, it's I have loved this uh, gambling season for the NFL, just spotting these values. And Purdom is exactly right. If you target dogs... I would absolutely, unless it's like a 10 plus point dog, you know, seven plus point dog, how uh, we were looking at this earlier, the dogs that are lined, I forget what it was, Mike, the specifics uh, house would know, but it's like under seven or under six, something in that neighborhood, uh, putting some money on the money line, as well as, you know, you let's say you put a dime, which is a thousand dollars on that dog. That's your bet. You want to put another hundred to two hundred dollars on the money line if you're taking these dogs that are underneath of a touchdown um just so that you can clean up a little bit more uh when they do end up cashing because uh that's that's the way to go uh get a little bit of extra payout on the money line yeah let me ask you one thing that he had in his notes Purdom had that home teams are 77 101 and one against the spread which would be on pace to be the worst against the spread mark in the Super Bowl era. Now, we'll see how much of that holds or if it continues to hold. But what do you make of that? And as a as someone who does this for a living, is home field advantage an advantage anymore? Do you put that into the... Do you factor it into the line at all? Because this is stunning that home teams could be this bad at covering this year. Yeah, I 
So that that's a complete outlier, obviously. And I don't know that that's something that you can like bet that is going to keep happening. That being said, um, there still is an advantage to being at home, but are the bookmakers putting too much of an advantage into the number? Mm. There's probably both of those are correct. Gotcha. And I think that... Um, because didn't it used to always be like three points, basically, yes. right? If I got two even teams and I'm putting them in, the, you know, one team's arena, that's going to be that, that. Now they're going to be a three point favorite. That's correct. I think. But here, here's the thing. Like there used to be, and this is playing a role in this, but some of the most difficult stadiums to play in, okay, that had the bigger home field advantage. When you have like guys who do home field advantage numbers, and they'll say, okay, like. 2.7 on average across the league. This was like a few years ago, but like we'll give the Superdome, you know, that's maybe a four. You know, like we'll give Seattle maybe a 3.8. You know, like we'll mm. some of these tougher venues have a little bit bigger home field advantage. But some of those teams that are playing in those tough venues absolutely suck this year, right? <laughs> like look at the Seahawks. They're not good. So they're right. not doing well at home. Look at the Saints. They're getting blown out at home on Thanksgiving night to the Buffalo Bills who are traveling on a short week, who struggled the week before, got blown out by the Colts. Then they go into uh, New Orleans and blow out the Saints. So some of those particular venues that used to be like, okay, well, fine, we'll discredit home field for most spots, but like this spot, we'll actually try to keep it in there. Like even those aren't coming through for uh, teams. And I think more than anything, it's not the venue that you're at, it's how you match up with the team and the strategies that you choose to use. So the players and the coaches and the matchups and the strategies, I think vary more this year from week to week, the way that these guys are modifying their game plans. And I just think it's it's becoming more of a matchup driven league. And these wide net standards of like, okay, home field should be this. Like, I do think you've got to... Uh, reprogram your mindset on that. And I think it's, I think it's great. I think any season like this, some people are like, oh, it, it stinks because you're, you're the old standards that, you know, the biggest teams that they're not winning like they once were. And so this is bad for the league. Bullshit. I would much rather see this. I would much from a betting perspective where anything is possible, you know, the Kevin Garnett thing to like just enjoyment of games, entertainment value, not knowing what's going to come down the pike. I would much rather see this um, than, than see, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs be sitting at 12 and 0 right now. And, you know, the the few teams are like massive Super Bowl favorites and everybody else really is way behind them. This this makes a much more compelling season. Yeah. I mean, like, look, we're this far into the season. You got, I guess, the Jets, Houston, Jacksonville, they're out of it. Detroit in the NFC. I mean, as insane as this sounds, if Seattle beats Washington tonight, they're not like completely out of it, even though it feels like they are like they're not that far back. If they, if they hit a little run, if anybody hits a three game win streak, they could be back into things. So, I mean, you've got very, very few teams that are completely out of it. We started the show talking about underdogs and yesterday, the biggest cover is an underdog was the scorching hot Miami dolphins. Warren, and not only are they scorching hot, you look at their schedule and they're New York, New York, Giants, Jets. 
back-to-back in their next two games. The Dolphins can get to 500, Warren. This looked like a team that was more in line with the Texans and the and the Jaguars uh, for the first part of this season, certainly after Tua got hurt. But now they've hit a little run, and you look at their schedule, if they were able to beat these next two teams, they're back to 500, and they're right in the mix, for goodness sakes. What, what do you make of this flip that the Dolphins have made? Well, you know what's crazy? Just from a scheduling perspective, the Eagles – are two straight games against the Giants and Jets, and both of those are in New York. They 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 traveled to take the on the Giants this past week, lost. Now they travel back to New York this next week to take on the Jets. Wow. Here the Miami Dolphins are home versus the Giants and Jets. They have a bye week in the middle there, but uh, they're hosting both the Giants and Jets. It's weird that these teams are playing both the New York teams in back-to-back weeks um, at, at the same venue. Uh, obviously, one's home, one's away, but like, hosting or traveling for both games. Um, I think a large part of it, I'll be honest with you, uh, with the one lone exception of upsetting the Ravens using the, all the cover zero blitzing and confusing Lamar Jackson, which you know we could see he didn't look great against the Cleveland Browns yesterday whatsoever. So confusing him in that game, that was that was the lone win. Otherwise, we're talking about they beat the freaking Houston Texans and they beat the uh, New York Jets. And now they beat the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers, I think that game, Chris, I'll be honest, like that was as much on Cam Newton as it was the Dolphins playing well. Like Cam, they did trash him though. They they did trash him. I mean, Tua, Tua's playing really well. Tua's throwing, I mean, what did the guy have? Oh, uh, Only a few interceptions. Uh, you know I'm a rather. Tua truther and... Look, let me just say this. The way this kid is talked about and the mud that they've drug him through, talk about the trade rumors and everything else versus what he is. I mean, they are building a damn statue in New England for Mac Jones. And yet, the guy that beat out Mac Jones at Alabama. Mac Jones played behind Tua at Alabama for a reason. And... He now has started 15 games and played them, right? Like he has started and he's played in 15 games so far. So by any measure, that's, you know, the first time through, okay? He is now 9-6, and 67% completion percentage, 3,515 yards, 21 touchdowns, 6 rushing touchdowns, and 11 picks. And think about the way people talk about Tua versus the way they talk about Mac Jones or Herbert or any any of these other guys. Like, And he is in an objectively worse situation than many of his peers. Not to mention already talked about getting traded. He's 9-6 and six playing for the damn Dolphins. The, the, the one thing that you want to focus on when you're talking about a young quarterback is what is his offensive line like? And if you compare the offensive line of the Patriots to the offensive line of the Dolphins, it's like they're not even in the same league. So the fact that like Mac gets to play behind that line versus where Tua is, plus factor in Tua's games last year with who the fuck at receiver. No I mean, idea. Like their receivers had the worst separation in the NFL. Uh, they also tried to go get Will Fuller this year. That ends up being uh, a problem. Like the Will Fuller thing did not work out. So you were hoping that you could at least have Will Fuller for the kid. He's not even working with him. Waddle I, is amazing, though. 
Waddle is a freaking stud. That that that, that <laughs> player can ball. Uh, but Tua did have the third highest completion percentage over expectation of the week, and he's been executing really well. So yes, like let's make this be about Tua being better than people thought. I think, and like you said, I think league wide people are don't like Tua. I agree. He could have had his confidence completely shattered with the way that they were treating it and talking about Deshaun Watson and all this stuff. The fact that he's playing like he is, I think, is a testament to his uh, internal strength and his belief in himself, his self-confidence, his commitment to working hard, blocking out outside noise. He's playing really well. But I also think that, you know, part of it, of course, is is Cam. And my rant on Cam is this. Um, if you were to take, let's pretend... I, I sometimes you need to evaluate quarterbacks like this, or at least think about this from some perspective. Just target practice. Take two guys, stand them in the backyard, give them snowball, give them like a football, whatever it is. You got targets lined up. Who would you rather have throwing at these targets, Chris? Would you rather have Sam Darnold or would you rather have Cam Newton? I mean, target practice? I'd rather have you. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> What t- target practice? I mean, you can't be serious. I mean, the guy was five for twenty-one yesterday. He's five for twenty-one. Like I don't, I don't know what the hell happened. But you know, when I was a kid, I'm sure you probably heard this before. But when anybody wanted to talk about like not wanting to see a player uh, at the end, not 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 see them as themselves, the one, the common refrain was always. Willie Mays stumbling around in the outfield for the Mets, right? People, they they would use that to say, like, this guy was, like, the best in the world. I don't want to see him like this. And then, of course, in my youth, it was, like, Raptors, Hakeem Olajuwon, or Patrick Ewing playing for the Sonics. It's like, all right, I don't, I don't want to see this, right? Shaq playing for the Cavs. It's like, all right. Like, th- this guy was the best of the best. Seeing him in this form, and this is a former NFL MVP that cannot complete a pass. It's unbelievable. Like I don't know what the hell happened. But well, I don't I don't I don't know what happened to him, but I also don't know what the Panthers are thinking if if Sam Darnold can't even run the Joe Brady offense. What makes you think that Cam Newton can run the Joe Brady offense? Like if you are bringing in Cam Newton this has to be a totally different offensive system than what you've been running previously. If you're bringing in Cam Newton, this has to be like a Cam Newton read option. Cam Newton had three rushing attempts yesterday. Like you, you this cannot be like drop back Cam Newton inside the pocket, try to execute this offense. It's not going to work. And we've seen it now for a couple of weeks. It's, it's, what they thought that they were going to get here. Either they didn't scout properly. I don't know, but this it's, it's, well, what's it's insane. It's what's really insane bad. is that you watch it. They're not a bad team. Like they're not, they got horrible quarterback play. They've got, you know, they got Christian McCaffrey back now. Hubbard filled in just fine. Defense has got some real players on it, but you look back to that off season and it's like, all right, they made the trade and they got, Sam Darnold. This is this is the massive mistake. Warren, they had the eighth pick in the draft. They had the eighth pick in the draft. They could have Justin Fields. 
They could have Mac Jones. They could have, I mean, and even if you didn't want to use that particular pick, if you didn't want to use the eighth pick, it's just such a critical error to go out and your, your talent evaluation said, we want our next starting quarterback to be Sam Darnold. And I mean, I don't, I mean, what did you watch? Seriously, yeah, like, I what mean, did you watch? Yeah, do, 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 you not, do you not have Sunday ticket? Do you not have access to the films? I mean, Sam Darnold is what, it, what he is, which is not good. I'm higher on Sam Darnold than most people, but I, I mean, just better don't Cam understand Newton, but. what they're... Yeah, I, I just don't understand the direction of this team right now. They have got to feel completely lost. They're heading into a bye week, so we should uh, touch some of these other games yesterday. But the Panthers, like heading into this bye week, have to be scratching their heads because you know what they've got coming out of the bye week? They've got the Atlanta Falcons, which was one of their five wins on the season. And after that, Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers yet again. So, I mean, this team literally could be looking out one to maybe two more wins the rest of the season unless they pull a massive upset. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. All right, let me ask you about this. The other huge cover, at least as a favorite, was the Bengals. Figure them out. I mean, I guess you could say this about every team in the league. Figure them out because this team gave up 700,000 yards to Mike White. Like, they made us know who Mike White is, have an awareness of who Mike White is. And then the Browns murdered them, just bullied them all over the field. And now they come out and get a good win against Vegas, turn around, and you figure second time through, surely they're not going to kill the Steelers again. And yet they just lined it up and demolished them yesterday. So what what do I make of the Bengals? I swear, I was kind of on them a couple of weeks ago. And then, of course, that Jets game and that Browns game makes you think, oh, geez, man, are they not? Is this just the, the after they had beat up the Steelers and beat up the Ravens? I was really impressed and thought this was thought this was different. And and then they let you down by having those two bogus performances. And now they've come out of this bye and been really, really good these last two weeks, including, I, I mean, I don't know what you make of that. I mean, you play a division rival who you've already seen once and you already beat up and you paced them again. I, <laughs> what do I make of this, Warren? Yeah, it got off to just a rocky start for the Steelers. Uh, They literally got their teeth kicked in. And it was interesting because this is a team that typically after, you know, you've got all the stuff that happens for the Steelers and and the season's not going great and they had lost earlier to this team and and you had the comments, all the Steelers, they just quit down the stretch. They just quit. You would think that Mike Tomlin could get them up for this game, right? They got some of their defensive players back. 
they were just so injury riddled the prior week heading into LA to take on the Chargers Sunday night football. You thought, okay, they've got Watt back and they've got some of these other contributors back. Like we should get a more game effort here. And, you know, before you know it, it was at the start of the second quarter, you're down literally for one less than one minute into the second quarter, you're down 17 to three. Like, right, you're down by two full touchdowns and the game is barely just started. And Ben Roethlisberger is just throwing pick after pick, getting, tur- having turnovers. Um, and Joe Burrow, look, they didn't even ask Joe Burrow to do very much, but he led the NFL with 16% completion percentage above expectation. Um, he didn't have to throw the football a ton. He didn't, he threw one touchdown, one interception, but this was a team that was just, all over the Steelers, just like white on rice, covered the Steelers completely, locked this offense down, and it was extremely impressive. Uh, we'll see what this Bengals team is down the stretch. You know, they never won this season more than two games in a row. They'll win two games and drop a game. They'll win two games and drop a game, and that's been the pattern for a while now. Um, they've got another team. This was their first home game um, since their bye week, right? They played Cleveland and got their teeth kicking back in week nine. That was November 7th. They're now playing three straight home games, right? This game versus Steelers, then they get to host the Chargers, and then they get to host the 49ers. Two teams from the West Coast have to come to Cincinnati and play outdoors in these weather conditions. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep it rolling. Like I, I'm impressed by the way that they've been dispatching of these teams. Anytime you look at like schedule and your opponents and you say, okay, well, yeah, well, you beat this team and you're, they, that team's reeling. That team's not as good. So a win is, eh, okay, that's great. The, the, the reality is if you won 17 to 14 and yet we're down 14 to 10 and you come back and score a touchdown late, you won. That's how I would approach that. When you win like this, you won 32 to 13 over the Raiders. Then you go and you win 41 to 10 over the Steelers. This is, the performance that you would expect. Yeah, this Raiders team might be overrated. Yeah, this Steelers team might be overrated. You come out and you deliver those types of wins by those types of margins. That should be impressive no matter who the opponent that you're well, facing it's is. Kinda so wild. You it's kind of wild. It's kind of wild to look at the Steelers right now because if I'm not mistaken, Tomlin has never had a losing record. No. And, you know, the, you figure... It's not going to be that high over 500 to be able to get one of those playoff spots. And yet you look at the odds to make the playoffs. Vegas does not believe in this Steelers team having another winning season because they're plus 660 to make the playoffs, Warren. They've and- got they've got nothing but playoff teams left on their schedule. Mm. They've got the Ravens twice. Yeah. They've got the Cleveland Browns once. They've got the Vikings, the Chiefs, and the Titans. All of these teams have, if I'm not mistaken, winning records and are, although the Vikings, what are they at right now? No, the Vikings are five and six, but they're still in the hunt to make the playoffs. They still have a decent team. They don't have any more games against the Chicago Bears where they won barely by two points. They don't have any more games against the Detroit Lions where they tied. They don't have any more games against you know, the, the Raiders or the Broncos, they are playing, or the Seattle Seahawks with a backup quarterback. They are playing nothing but teams that they themselves are entering playoff stretches for themselves, right? Like they got, the Vikings are tuned up for the playoffs. They've got to win games. The Chiefs are tuned up. The Ravens are tuned up. The Browns are 
whatever the Browns are, but you don't get to play them until week 17. It's crazy to think that that's January 3rd and there's still another week of regular season after that this year. But you're playing nothing but playoff caliber teams. I mean, I could see why the Steelers are at plus money. They, at long odds, they probably are not going to have a winning record. I would be shocked if they could. They're they're five, what are they? Five, five and one right now. You look at these next six opponents, they're not better than any of these teams. And the game in Minnesota is in Minnesota. So they host the Cleveland Browns, they host the Tennessee Titans, and they host a game against the Ravens. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what the point spreads are in those games. Um, but right now, the, the Steelers, they are hosting the Baltimore Ravens this week. And though the line hasn't fully opened everywhere, it was three and a half on the look ahead. And the numbers that are posted right now are three to three and a half right now. The Ravens are favored in Pittsburgh. You know, maybe they'll be favored over the Tennessee Titans the way that the Titans are playing. Um, and, and who knows by week 17 if they'll be favored over the Browns. But you're talking about one out of six games, maybe that you're going to be favored the rest of the mm. way. All right. Well, I am going to give you this opportunity, Warren, to apologize to my friend Randy Feetner. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have Thanksgiving with him? The did, fact did, did you have that, your friend over for Thanksgiving? That they won any games with Roethlisberger. This guy, this guy, they should put him in Canton. <laughs> Roethlisberger is so done. Here, here's the thing about Roethlisberger that um, it's like Cam Newton, to me at least, but a little bit different. Ro- to me, Roethlisberger always had the detractors when he was doing anything positive, like yeah, the way that fair. he was winning games back in the day always was like negative. Oh, he won because of his defense. Oh, he won because of this, like making up excuses for the guy. Uh, winning his Super Bowls or producing good, great records, obviously contributing to the fact that Tomlin has never had a losing season. But all people are going to really remember about him, I'm, I'm hoping this is not the case, certainly Pittsburgh. If you go into Pittsburgh and talk to them, they're going to be pissed off about Roethlisberger today, right now, the season, etc. But big picture, people that are older than like 20 uh, years remember. old are going to remember the good things that Roethlisberger did. But Ben is absolutely cooked, and he's been cooked for a little while now. But um, Ben, at one point, was significantly better than what he is right now. And you watch some of those highlights of this dude shaking off guys in the pocket and completing passes and throwing the ball and willing his team to win and being so tough and 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 squeaking out some of those victories and pounding on opponents and whatnot. Like I don't know. I just think the overall capsule, the life capsule that you bury about Ben Roethlisberger and unearth, like, I think he was actually better than people will think of him, you know, down the road, but uh, he's absolutely going out, you know, on a stretcher right now. He's not looking very good. Yeah. Let's talk about some of these teams that have been on runs. We mentioned the Dolphins earlier. Patriots and the aforementioned Mac Jones. I didn't want, I, I, I don't, I don't want anybody to take like my, uh, my Tua promotion was a slight at Mac Jones because He's been outstanding as a rookie. I mean, if, if you, you know, you, you get to this uh, week 11 of the season and you ask teams around the NFL, if you could do the draft over, would you do it the same way? And uh, 1 million out of 1 million Patriots fans would do it all the same way. And I think every NFL fan would do it the same way. And there's, there's a lot of those, actually. There's been a lot of rookies that have been extremely good 
this year. Whether it's these receivers, Waddle's been great. I think Eagles fans are extremely high on Devontae uh, Smith. I know my team, Micah Parsons, was like, I mean, this guy has been a godsend, an absolute godsend. But Mac Jones has been outstanding, and he's a big part of why the Patriots have been on this uh, this great run with another resounding victory yesterday uh, against a Titans team that in the past has played them really tough. In fact, you know, I guess you could say they ended the Tom Brady era. Uh, yeah. a, a Mike Vrabel team did. Uh, so that was pretty impressive yesterday what the Patriots were able to do and the run they're on. What do you make of them? Yeah, I mean, look, I went into the game yesterday thinking, okay, this is a horrible matchup for the Tennessee Titans. And the reason I thought that this was a horrible matchup for the Tennessee Titans is obviously you can look at it when they have the ball offensively, they don't have any weapons. And, um, you know, this Patriots defense has been really impressive. So you're going to have limited upside production out of Ryan Tannehill and company. But on the other side of the ball, I thought Tennessee Titans run defense is terrible. The way that this team has done well is they get you in a deficit yourself. So you're fighting back, trying to win a game in the second half, having to drop back pretty frequently, having to throw the ball, and they get to put their good pass rush where they don't have to blitz much and they still get pressure and then they play good coverage in behind you. And this is how the Titans have won. Well, if the Titans are losing and teams can just run the ball, the Titans run defense is not very good. And so you're going to have a bad situation, of course, where the Patriots should be able to run the football here. Mac Jones won't have to do too much. And the Patriots should be in control of this game. And as it turned out, I mean, the Patriots were in control. There was that big, long run at the end of the half. I can't believe the defense led up that massively long run to uh, Hilliard at the end of the first half to get up to 13 points. And the Titans never scored in the second half. But um, the bigger thing was they weren't having a lot of success running the football. Harris only averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Stevenson had 5.1 yards per carry, uh, but, but 46 yards on nine attempts. Like as a team, they averaged only 4.4 yards per carry. Did the Patriots more had to fall on Mac Jones. Like the team threw the ball more than they ran the ball. It sounds crazy, Chris, but this is a team, what was the final score? 32 to 13, something like that. Uh, 36 to 13. And they had more passing attempts, 32 passing attempts, than they had run attempts, only 24 run attempts. Um, they had to have Mac Jones, Jones work the offense here because they were not having the success that they anticipated running the football. And despite playing a decent pass defense that could get pressure, Mac Jones, 23 of 32, threw for 310 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, had a completion percentage above expectation of 3.8, which was fifth best in the league this past week, one of only six quarterbacks with a positive completion percentage above expectation. Um, he had a very good game. And this team now is doing what Brady's teams did for so many years, which is figure it out at the beginning of the season. Every team is different. Every team is new. Beginning of the year may not go so great. We want to be rolling down the stretch. This team is reeled off now six consecutive wins, and they go up in their final game before the bye, which is a late bye, which is a great thing for a rookie quarterback. Says two things. Number one, they've worked with him over the course of the season. So that over the bye week that 
without having the buy earlier, it's difficult to implement new things and do a lot of self-scouting and make tweaks that you would need to do with a rookie quarterback. And they've been able to make those tweaks and credit to the team, credit to Mac Jones for evolving and growing without the benefit of a bye week yet to this point, but also then when they do finally get that bye week, they'll be able to get healthy. They'll be able to get Mac Jones even more integrated into the things. What do you like, Mac? What don't you like? What can we incorporate more here down the stretch run? Huge game, huge game Monday night against the Buffalo Bills. Right now, the Patriots are three-point road underdogs in that game, and that game's going to be a ton of fun. But I was just really impressed with Mac Jones and his ability uh, to throw the ball, to be accurate, uh, to make the checks. I saw a great, um, great uh, film study last night on ESPN that was led by Matt Hasselbeck. I'm sorry, not Matt Hasselbeck. Who's the other Hasselbeck? Tim. 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 Great film study with Scott Van Pelt walking through all the things that they've been putting on Mac Jones. And basically the way he described it is like, they're not just having Mac go to the line of scrimmage with one play and hope that that's going to work or giving him a run to check to. He's got multiple plays that he's working in and out of. He's adjusting coverages. He's making the right checks. Like Tim, and this is where I have to lean on some of these guys because they know more about football than I do. Tim's saying that, He's been super impressed by the amount they put on Mac and what Mac's been doing with this offense. And so I've got to believe I, that. I thought it was so funny in reference to you, you talking about how they've gotten so much better as the season goes on. I don't know if you saw the reporter that asked Belichick about this uh, last no. week. And he's like, uh, you know, kind of a hallmark of a Belichick team, uh, you know, get better as the season goes on and then, you know, really be able to, peak, uh, be at your best by the time it gets to the playoffs. And uh, Belichick responded to the guy, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically this is uh, this is going to surprise you, but we we try to play well every week. <laughs> uh. <laughs> he just like matter of fact like said, like, I, like he was like bothered by the, the fact that guy asked like, yeah, team really gets better as the season goes on. And then you, you kind of, you know, it's a, it's a slow build. And then you peak at the end. He's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're not, we're not trying to not be good <laughs> at the beginning of the year. All right. It's not intentional that we're, that we're, that we're so much better um, as the year goes on. We'd love to be good the entire time, uh, but Certainly, it does speak to a, a very well-coached team that they do continually get better as the season goes on. Another team that has been on a run is the San Francisco 49ers with their win against Minnesota yesterday. I was shocked. This morning, I went and looked at FanDuel, Warren, and tell me what you think about this. I was looking at playoff odds for all these different teams. San Francisco 49ers to make the playoffs Minus 260. What? Minus to, to make the playoffs? Minus 260. Now, I, it's just jarring after the way we have talked about the 49ers throughout this season. And I know they've been on this run as of late. But is that as shocking to you to hear? Like, they're a heavy favorite to be a playoff team now. 
To me, it's not as shocking because I'm looking at their schedule and I'm seeing teams like the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans, the Atlanta Falcons, and then the Seattle Seahawks who will be playing on a short week. A lot of these teams are teams that aren't playing quite as well as what they once were or as we thought they would be entering the season. They really have only two games against like teams I think are performing well um, in general this year, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals, which is week 14 on the road and the LA Rams week 18 on the road. So they still have to go back and play the Rams. Uh, They beat the Rams 31 to 10, absolutely destroyed them. Kyle Shanahan does really well in this matchup against the Rams. So it'll be interesting. It's on the road. It's in the dome, all that type of stuff. But they've got that the last game of the season. But prior to that, I mean, certainly every game's important at this stage with all the losses that the 49ers have endured. No game can be looked past. No opponent is too small to think that you're going to easily dominate. But in general, this team is getting a little bit healthier. That being said, well, how much hinges on this Debo Samuel thing, right? Because same way we talked about Derrick Henry, you want to talk about essential to an offense. I mean, hell, he's been playing running back half the time, it feels like. He had three rushing touchdowns in the last three games. That is the only time that that has happened in the Super Bowl era for an NFL wide receiver to have three rushing touchdowns in consecutive weeks. Um, And he is just, I mean, it's him and Kittle. I mean, that's it. That really, Elijah Mitchell was very, very good for them and has been good for them recently. Uh, But if he's out, my goodness, what does that do to Jimmy G in that offense? Here, here's a, here's the thing. I, I know this is not going to be popular. I know this is going to be viewed as like uh, I'm being too negative here, but I'm being realistic. The position that gets injured the most in the NFL is the running back position. And one of the reasons is what you ask these running backs to do. You're asking them to get the ball seven yards plus behind the line of scrimmage and to work their way through a bunch of offensive linemen and tight ends that are blocking for him, then try to get to the next level of the defensive line that are being blocked by the offensive linemen, all these big, heavy bodies that weigh 300 plus pounds, then work, if you're lucky and you don't get tackled or rolled up on or destroyed by one of these defensive linemen, then you get to go up against linebackers that are running downhill trying to tackle you or you know, DBs or safeties that are filling in the box. And backs get hit a shitload. They get a lot of bumps and bruises and damage. And that's why running back lifespan in general does not last very long, unless you're a complete freak, like a Frank Gore or an Adrian Peterson oh, or something like that. Speaking about language, look, there was, I think it was, I think it was Aikman earlier in the year. There was a cowboy game, and they lined up and they lined up CD Lamb at running back. They've done this a couple times and not like a it wasn't like an end around or something like that, like running the ball. It was like legitimately they lined him up in the backfield and Aikman was like, he couldn't believe it. Why would you, why are you letting this guy take unnecessary hits? Like this just doesn't make it. You let the, let the 180 pound guy get hit by the 180 pound guy, you know, and yeah, worse to big safety. But what are you doing running him up in there when you got the Aaron Donalds of the world? And the and the Dominican Sus and the Vita Vias and all these guys, they could just mangle you. He's had he's had 16 touches 
of the football in the last two games. And only two of 16 have actually been catches. The rest are all run plays. And I know, of course, Kyle Shanahan sees this. Everybody sees this. Get the ball in Debo's hands. He's a complete freak. I can see why you love in the upside. Oh my God, look at these run plays. He's averaging 9.9 yards per carry on these eight rushing attempts. Or, you know, he's averaging, what was it uh, this past week? 11 yards per carry on these six rushing attempts. Use him in the pass game a little bit. Get, get the ball into his hands that way too. I can understand a run or two a game. You can't be using him this frequently as a running back um, and expect that he's not going to get beat up and battered a little bit. Um, you know, you're going up against the freaking Jacksonville Jaguars. You're winning the game 30 to 10. We don't need to be wasting running plays on Debo Samuel here and letting him have the risk of taking all these unnecessary hits. Um, and so I just would prefer, I know like overall you can say, oh, well, you know, he's not their lead back. Elijah Mitchell's carrying the ball 27 times. So Debo's only spelling him a little bit. I don't, I don't care. I still would rather from my team and I want my team to be as healthy as possible to win these games to make the playoffs. I will run the ball once or twice with Debo Samuel, but I need to get the ball in his hands on the perimeter more. He's had two catches the last two weeks. That doesn't make any sense to me. In fairness, it's not like he got a concussion. It's not like he got his leg snapped by a monster. He did, you know, tweak his groin, right? Now, what does that what, what does that mean though? I mean, like, well, no, you could take it, it, his injury was not because he ran it up in you know some three hundred pounder that murdered him. You know, okay, what I'm saying? Uh, fair, fair, fair point, fair point. It was on a run play though, yeah. But he could have hurt his groin when he was catching the ball too. I don't disagree with you there, but the amount of movements and things that you have to do to try to evade people on a run play, it's just it's just more difficult. I agree I would with you. He's too valuable. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Let's touch on a couple other of these big games before we get out of here today. Uh, Colts Bucks. This was actually a wildly entertaining football game. Um, Colts still... Actually, they're plus 114 to make the playoffs now, but they, I know that you liked them as a possible division winner, and the Titans didn't look like any great shakes yesterday. Um, Indianapolis, uh, they had their chances to knock off the Bucs. A good win for the Bucs. I don't think bad loss by any means 
for Indianapolis. I actually came away kind of impressed with both these teams. Absolutely. I, I love this game. This was a lot of fun. It looked like um, two good teams, right? It looked like yes, two good it football looked like teams. a big game. And the other thing that it looked like to me was you're watching this game at the beginning and I did bet the over here. And what was the score at the end of the first quarter? Was it three nothing? Um, yeah, it was th- it was three nothing. And and Tom Brady's going three and out. Okay, the first time he goes three and out. Okay, it's whatever you know. Second time he goes three and out. Like okay, what what are these guys doing here? Um, and and you see the Colts, they can't convert a first down. But what I what I was realizing is that these OCs were just working all this shit into their game plans to try to utilize at the beginning of the game and none of it was really working. Like they had a bunch of runs that they were wanting Jonathan Taylor to take at the beginning of the game, first and 10 run, these types of things. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are great stopping that. They're l- one of the best run defenses in the NFL. So you, that's not really going to work for you. And, and the Bucs, you know, they they had um, Byron Leftwich dialing up all these like behind the line of scrimmage, screen passes, and all this other random gadgetry <laughs> bullshit that like he'd been working on all week. Oh yeah, let's try this, let's try that. I mean, I don't know, like, if you look at the Colts, you do not want to be throwing the football behind the line of scrimmage against these guys. Those linebackers run downhill, and they destroy that screen shit behind the line of scrimmage. you got to throw the ball down the field against them. And what ended up happening was both these teams, after doing nothing, and and I'll be honest, like, I really wasn't even that worried about the total. And it's scary to say because I had over a 51, and there's three points scored in the first quarter, and that's it. But I knew that once these teams actually started attacking the weaknesses of their opponents, which in both cases was the secondary, we were going to see some points put up on the board. And sure enough, we did. And when I'm looking at, you know, Tom Brady only did throw one touchdown, which was surprising to me that they ran the ball in four times and he only threw it one time because I did bet on a prop that lost that Tom Brady would have more than one passing touchdown and the Bucs would win the game. But I anticipated that they both of these offenses would have some success through the air. After the game, you have these quotes from um, uh, some of the media asking Frank Reich, well, like, what about the running game? Like, you guys abandoned the run game midway through the game and you didn't get back to it until the very end when you were down and you had to come back and blah, blah, blah. And to me, this was, this, this, this was, I agreed 100% with Frank Reich. Frank Reich said, we maybe should have even shifted to the passing game earlier because when we were trying to run the football, we couldn't move the ball at the beginning of the game. And we had only scored three points into what the, the early part of the second quarter. When they started putting up points is when they started throwing the football on early downs and they put up 24 points in total before the half. And it was primarily because they were throwing the ball. Now, yes, Carson Wentz did have a couple of bad turnovers. And that's really, in my opinion, the only reason why the Bucks ended up winning this game. Well, in theory, the Bucks- in theory, I agree that you would rather have the, you trust Jonathan Taylor more, especially with the season he's had than you do Carson Wentz. The issue is you can't run on that team. No, no. They are no. monsters. Like they're monsters. And, and then they've got white who's, there as a linebacker and as fast as any running back. I mean, he chases everybody down. Like that's just not the team. If you're going to attack them, that's how you attack. You, you got to throw the ball. Even if, I mean, your problems, Carson Wentz in that spot, your problems, not that you're not running the ball. Yeah. And, and, and what uh, Bruce Arians said was, was 
in some ways correct. You know, he said in his post-game presser, and I think people who are like, you should have run the ball. I, I hope people listen to this point in the podcast, okay? Because Bruce Arians came out after his game, and if you listen to the press conference, which I go back and watch all these things, he said, you want to try to come out and run the ball on us, good luck. You're not going to be able to. I will take our run defense over any run offense. Part of the reason why they even scored that running t- that, that touchdown late in the game is because we were p- playing the pass. We were leading and we were playing the pass. And so they decided to do something more counterintuitive, trailing by seven points in the fourth quarter and ran the ball a little bit because we were playing the pass. When we were playing our run game, they couldn't fucking run the ball on us. And so people who are like, oh my God, look at the final game stats. Jonathan Taylor had uh, 5.2 yards per carry. They should have been running the ball more. Don't know what the fuck they are talking about. And Bruce Arians is right. And Frank Reich is right. Both of these head coaches know what they're talking about. You couldn't run the ball early because the Bucks were playing the regular defense, which stops the run. And so the Colts had to throw the ball, and that's the way you can attack these guys. I think both of these teams made the right moves from a play-calling and strategic perspective, with the exception of the way that they started this game, too slow with too creative-type shit and like too much run-heavy for the Colts, too creative-type stuff for Leftwich. I thought this game was amazing, fun, competitive. Um, we probably won't see it again this year. You know, like I look this- all the way back to the first game of the season where we saw these teams, and it was it was the Dallas Tampa game. Deck threw the ball fifty eight times in that game because they couldn't. Everybody run. They does. Couldn't run. Yep. You can't run this Vita Via and. <laughs> Even with a team like Jonathan Taylor, with Jonathan Taylor, Can't and run. you can look back at all the other teams that you've played, and you can say, "Oh yeah, well we've had we've had success running against some decent run defenses." Okay, fine. I'm just telling you, the way that you built your lead, the way that you scored 24 points in that first half was on the shoulders of that passing game and Carson Wentz, not because you were running the ball a ton and having a lot of success. All right, two more quick ones: uh, Rams, Packers. Rams Packers and what you made of that result. Um, you know, there's these, you seeing these weird stories about uh, Matt Stafford playing through injury, his arm screwed up or whatever. It's, I don't know. I'd, I'd be a little worried if I'm a Rams fan because that started to leak out. It felt like this past week about this whole like, hey, he's not right. He's playing through this thing. He's got this bad elbow problem. He needs to call up old Brady to get some pliability, it sounds like, because uh, Brady used to have bad elbow problems. And that's how he, you know, that's how he said he fixed it. It was that, that, that Alex Guerrero guy. That was the original thing. He said he was icing out his elbow and his elbow was all screwed up. And that's how they developed their relationship in the first place. So maybe Stafford should holler at him, but. I don't like to hear about my quarterback having elbow problems when it's week 11. That's for sure. No doubt about it. Um, I was surprised by their inability to do much offensively in this game, um, with the exception of a couple of deep bombs that they ended up hitting. Most of the game, they were bad. And it wasn't just that. Like, Matthew Stafford in general, like, at the very beginning, he got he got sacked and fumbled the football. Like he had no awareness of that his left tackle was not is not that great. Like their offensive line is not that great right now. And what's more, I guess, disappointing slash shocking to me is that Sean McVay isn't 
accounting for this and coming up with different things for this offense to do to have more success. They did not look good in this game. And Matthew Stafford is much better than Jared Goff. That said, there are absolutely times in games when it's just like, oh yeah, Jared Goff was doing that type of stuff and we were all burying him before. Like the, some of the throws or some of the decisions or like throwing the ball way behind a receiver, uh, getting sacked in the pocket and fumbling the football. This is all like, oh yeah, Jared Goff would have done that here in Lambeau. That's something we would have expected from him. Um, you were hoping that Matthew Stafford would have been a little bit better. Then of course, Matt Stafford comes out and just throws a pinpoint precision bomb down the field. And you're like, oh yeah, Jared Goff could have never done that. Um, uh, but but I have been down more on Sean McVay than a lot of people. I don't want to rehash it all, but um, a lot of people think that Sean McVay is like, he walks on water. There's nothing this guy can do that's wrong. And he's the best coach in the NFL. And, you know, I think he's a very, very good coach, but I don't think he's close to being the best coach in the NFL. I think he, like every coach, like every human on earth, including myself, has issues, has problems. And um, I mean, I don't understand some of his decision-making, his his game planning and his execution. What the hell are they doing down, what is it, 11 points late and calling run plays, uh, you know, that that to, on third and one or whatever it was, calling a run play that gets tackled. I mean, like the announcers couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Everybody watching at home couldn't believe it. I don't, I don't get kind of, the game was not going to be won at that point, but still they're trying to win. They're kicking the field goal. They're trying to onside kick. They're hoping to try to win that football game. Just ridiculous to me. All right, last thing. There's a game tonight. Not exactly the greatest matchup in the world. It is the football team hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Now, right now, both of those are obviously long shots to be able to make the postseason. But this feels like it's going to you know, be the end for one of them, right? Like If, if the football team drops to four and seven, they're going to be in an extremely difficult spot. And at this point, Seattle, I mean, what? They could maybe lose one more game, but probably not. I mean, they probably need to run the table from here on out, and they have shown absolutely no ability <laughs> to be able to do that. Um, and then, you know, you're wondering if it's this, uh, this is like the Russ Swan song that we're watching take place uh, after all the success they've had in Seattle. They have just been dismal. Um, looks like Seattle's road favorite right now. Yeah, it's close. It's been oscillating back and forth right now. It looks to be more of a one point road favorite for the Seahawks. Um, earlier, they did open as a two and a half point road favorite here. It got bet all the way to Washington minus one. Now it's come back a little bit. There's a lot of spots that are still at pick them. Um, and some that are Washington plus one, Seattle minus one. There's there's nobody currently that's favoring Washington anymore. Um, I think this game's interesting from just the perspective. Obviously, you you got the great narratives there. Like I do think this is Russ's swan song. Um, how much is he still bought in? I saw him like laying down on the floor against the Carolina Panthers there. Um, uh, sorry, against the uh, Arizona Cardinals there last week, trying not to get hit. Um, you know, trying to avoid a sack, just like not even wanting to risk it. But this is prime time and this is a big game. I'm looking primarily at two things and both relate to offense versus defense. Um, and that is, you know, Washington, they are more of a pass first team. 
Um, they have a slightly higher uh, pass rate than run rate. In general, in certain situations, um, they are a team that likes to pass the football. But they do want to try to be a little bit balanced, I think, here. And they have only played three teams that rank above average in run defense. Um, they luckily were able to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right off of the bye week when Brady just had a bad game coming out of the bye. That happens to so many teams around the league. Um, they lost to the Saints earlier this year. have a good run defense. They lost to the Bills earlier this year. have a good run defense. The, the Seattle Seahawks rank 11th against the run. So I'm really interested to see, can Washington run the football here against Seattle? Or does this, uh, Washington's used to facing a lot of basically bottom 10 run defenses. Hey, you ready for this, Warren? Yeah. I read it this morning. Pete Carroll, in games after consecutive loss under Pete Carroll, Seattle is 16-2-1 against the spread. And that includes 3-0 and this year. Well, the 3-0 and this year means more to me than what he's done in the past because this team has been much better in the past. So the fact that they would drop a couple games like would be shocking um, ATS. So like the fact that they would bounce back does make more sense. But this year, 3-0. and The other thing, I guess I got to say, Chris, is still offense versus defense. But it's been pretty... I don't want to say nice. Like, I don't like to root against any team. I like to root against inefficiency. But it's been pretty wild to see, like, all the piling up on the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, like, I don't like some of their play calling. And they're not using Russ enough at times, especially in the past. They relied too much on the run. But I I think it's going under-discussed the schedule that this Seahawks offense has played. They have played the number one most difficult schedule of opposing defenses. And I just, I know it doesn't make great for podcasts. It's more of a visual thing, but I just want you to like close your eyes for a second. Everybody out there, except if you're driving, of course, sit down, close your eyes and listen to me run off the rankings of the defenses that Seattle has played so far this year. Okay. Number two, Cardinals. Number six, Saints. Number seven, Rams number eight, Vikings, number 10, Colts, number 12, Titans, number, I skipped one, but number 11, Packers, number 12, Titans, number 13, 49ers, number 14, Steelers, and then number 28, Jaguars. You're talking about every single opponent has been top 14 defensively, including what was that? Five inside What's of the Washington? top 10. What's Washington? Washington is 27. And the, you can chuck it downfield on them. Is Tyler Lockett's, you know, that's a field day for him. The only bad defense that they played, Seattle put up 31 points. They won 31 to 7 over the wow. Jaguars. Now, some of that came because the Jaguars' offense sucked and the Jaguars were playing on the road. I believe potentially off of a bye themselves. I think that was the case. And a lot of these teams coming off a bye, just their offense looks like crap. So, all right, you know, I'm that, slamming the Seahawks and blaming you if it loses. No, 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 no. I'm not on board <laughs> for that. But I'm just making the observation. I personally have done nothing side or total with this game. Total sits at 47 right now. Game is virtually a coin flip. Um, I think it's going to be fun. But um, I'm hopeful in terms of, I don't want to see, these, these aren't even quarterbacks from our childhood, uh, Chris. But like, I don't want to see yet another quarterback from like, our glory years of watching ball, like go 
tank terribly, right? Oh, we already talked I about. He came, I think he. We came talked back about Cam early. Newton. We talked Don't about you? Cam Newton. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger. Russ shouldn't be anywhere close to that, but he is not playing really well with his finger. And I'm just hoping that we see good Russ tonight, confident Russ tonight. Guy who can execute the offense and throw the ball down the field. I don't want to see all these quarterbacks that have been with us for years play you. bad football down the stretch here. Right, you said the Washington's 27th defense, and they, they lost Chase Young for the year, for goodness sakes. Um, who's their best defensive player? And I think Russ came back too early with that finger thing. Yes, they scored he did. 13, 13 points in the last two weeks. I think it's fair to say. They haven't, I don't think they've won a game since week four, have they? <laughs> Uh, you are correct. Uh, no, the Jags, the Jags was week eight, but other than oh, okay. that, yes, week four, they, they were what two and two and two, uh, after week four. And then they've lost every game, but the Jaguars. That's rough. Warren, it is always a pleasure. This has been a very fun NFL season and, uh, down the stretch, it's going to be even more fun to say the least. I'll talk to you next week. That sounds good, Chris. And yeah, you guys, we have a fun season on our hands and you guys are going to want to stick right here with the Ringer Gambling Show to continue to check out us as we break down all these games, help give you insightful betting tidbits as the season progresses. So make sure you stick around on Wednesday where we're going to be back to our normal schedule. We're going to be doing the Deep Dive Podcast with Ben Solak, going through all the cheat sheet stuff that you need to know for the upcoming week's action. And of course, back on Friday with House. Thanks, Chris, for joining me. Thanks to Mike Wargon and Craig Holbeck for producing the show. And we will see you guys back on Wednesday. <laughs>